You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm one of your co hosts, Alex Navarro, and I have our co host, Andrea Jangle, who goes by AJ. How's it going? I'm great. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Getting ready for the weekend, <laughs> as I'm sure you are too. Yeah, busy weekend ahead of me. So, yeah, I'm just kind of wrapping things up and then getting ready to head out for the weekend. So, yeah, busy times. Wonderful. wonderful. So, we have a exciting guest today because we've got another body io coach right yes right <laughs> so um the, sorry <laughs> i was gonna let alex navarro introduce the coach i got kind of got ahead of myself our our coach today is alex moore who is a body io coach and he's gonna tell us a little bit more about himself <laughs> Right, so there's another Alex on the show, just temporarily. <laughs> yes. Hopefully yeah. there's room for both of us. Um, but yeah, I'm actually currently working on my uh, dissertation um, in pursuit of my PhD um, in nutritional sciences. My background has mostly been in academia. I kind of kid people into saying that I've been going to school since I was in kindergarten, and I'm uh, 27 now, so it can get a little tiresome. But um my uh, bachelor's degree and my master's degree were in human physiology. I originally wanted to do something more in sports medicine. And I actually was a strength and conditioning coach uh, for a brief stint for about a year and a half at um, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, that kind of put a sour taste in my mouth, <laughs> um, just politically. And, um, you know, nutrition has always been something that's really interested me. Um, you know, particularly how the human body responds to different nutrients, almost kind of, you know, like hormones. Um, so it was an easy transition for me because of my educational background. So I decided that I wanted to torture myself some more and I went back to grad school right away. So <laughs> here I am. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on the show. And some of our listeners probably know you from uh, Kiefer's podcast, Body IO FM, yeah. and the research reviews. That, yeah, it's been a, it's been a little, little been a little while since I was on those, but yeah, I love being part of that, and uh, hopefully, I'm not too rusty with my uh, my uh, podcast skills. So we'll see what we have here. <laughs> we'll sure be sure be to throw a, yeah, we'll be sure to throw a few random things at you just to throw you off. Keep it exciting. I'm expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex Navarro, why don't you go ahead and kind of give a summary of what we're going to touch on today? <laughs> we are going to be talking about spot reduction and stubborn fat which is a very popular topic because from I mean just in general in the fitness industry it's always something that's talked about but specifically within our audience and we have a lot of people who utilize the carbonite solution to try to get rid of extra body fat and something that we see often in client assessments is you know we, we always ask for the client's top three goals what what their what their their whole goal is what they're trying to work towards and and a lot of the women in particular it's you know to get rid of the the air, the fat around the stomach or reduce the love the sorry the saddlebag area the hips and the thighs and 
it's important to talk about how spot reduction, like what's possible with that and targeting overall body fat loss. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So Alex Moore, I, uh, I mean, we, we passed around some articles before this uh, episode. We haven't really discussed what we're going to talk about, but I just kind of want to get your take. I think we should target spot reduction first because I think sure. that's kind of uh, an easy one to tackle. Yeah, well, I mean, classically, when you talk about spot reduction, what people generally think of is you're targeting a specific area with exercise, right? Now, according to this article, it is possible from what this this new article on T Nation, I forgot who the author is, I don't have it in front of me, but he's basically talking about hormonal regulation and how it could be possible. I think there were some really good takeaways and I agree on, on some certain points, but I do want to just put this in perspective to all your listeners that, you know, while targeting, you know, quote unquote, stubborn body fat, you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, how you want to look and so forth, it's important. Um, you have to put it into perspective of where you're at, you know, in proximity to tackling that area. So a lot of people that I deal with simply just need to lose a little bit more fat before they really have to start concerning themselves about that. Because when, you know, I, when I go into creating diets and so forth, a lot of times the changes that I make, you know, I can't decide necessarily where the fat is going to be targeted from when the person is, you know, a, a male is 25% body fat. You know, I'm not as concerned when, say, they get closer to maybe 10% body fat. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the bigger picture first is that they need to lose body right. fat overall. Right. And, you know, I, I think the confusion, you brought up a good point right from the start, because I think the confusion um, is that you can train a body part. Like you see people in the gym training abs because they think that that's going to melt the fat away on their abs. <laughs> because it is, it is confusing to, um, you know, someone that's new because... You can go in and train your bicep muscle and that muscle will grow. So why can't I train that area and have the fat um, dissipate from that area? So I can understand where the confusion kind of lies, especially if you're new at training. But the studies do show that, you know, even if you can, even if you can accomplish some kind of spot reduction with body fat, it's so minimal that it's what yeah. I think the and reference here's, is. Here's- Here's what's actually occurring inside the tissue. So say we use your example of the bicep curl. Fatty acids are being released from the bicep and they're yes. released into circulation. But what you don't get to decide is where that where they're um, burned at, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that more or less is a fallacy. But when it comes to hormones, I, I, I do think that that's important and um you know, can be utilized through through diet and training to actually have an effect. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I mean, as far as like how to exactly do it. Or or just w- explain to this listeners exactly kind of what you're saying. Like, um, I don't know if you're trying to get at like where you wouldn't want to diet too hard because. Right, right. The, yeah. So I, I guess this would be a good time to bring up um, basically the alpha and the beta receptors. Right. So these are, these are basically, I like to term these like adrenaline receptors. So, you know, adrenaline docks on these, they're all, they're all throughout your body. Um, and they basically respond to epinephrine and norepinephrine or as we, you know, commonly call, uh, adrenaline. So, you know, 
stubborn fat comes down to many things, but I think hormones and how you're, you know, genetically wired are very important when all else is equal. I'm talking about training and diet. You know, it's interesting um, to see how different folks hold, you know, different areas. Um, you know, and it largely comes down to the different receptor densities of those two separate receptors in a given area. So essentially, it is these receptors that will control the rate of fat mobilization uh, and blood flow in and out of fat tissue. So what we, we can very simplistically say that alpha receptors generally are going to, activation of alpha receptors are going to inhibit fat loss, whereas activation of beta receptors are going to speed up fat loss. So like for instance, on a female, we see a greater density of alpha receptors in the gluteal regions and the hip regions and, you know, of course, one would say, well, that's why they're displacing body fat there more. So what we really want to do is try to tackle how to activate the beta receptors and downregulate the alpha receptors. The biggest thing you can do as far as downregulating the alpha receptors is keeping insulin low. Yep. Bottom line. So again, you know, like they said, well, I want to target stubborn body fat, you know, if you are, you know, coming, you know, to a coach and, you know, you do have quite a bit of body fat to lose just by simply going on carb night, you're going to not only lose fat systemically, but by default, because insulin is low, you're going to start changing those ratios around in your tissues. And, you know, eventually when you do get leaner and leaner and leaner and you're doing it properly and you have a good coach working with you, uh, those areas will dissipate quite easily, but it's all about, to me, it's all about timing and there is a place for insulin. You can't just eliminate it completely. I, I do believe that, you know, that's why carbonite is so effective for a lot of people and obviously carb backloading. Um, so it's, it's really, it's, it's a dual process and, you know, to tackle it, I can't just give one <laughs> recommendation, but, but, but bottom line is when it comes to receptor density, decrease insulin. I uh, agree completely. And that's what all the, the research shows too. So it's not like that area is really up for debate. That's pretty standard uh, proven theory. Um, and just want to backtrack a little bit because we do sure. have male listeners and um, you know, a lot of our female listeners are trying to get into shape with their spouses. So just like women have more of the alpha receptor density in their hip and thigh and buttocks area, men tend to carry it in their abdominal and kind of like that love handle area. So you'll see where guys kind of get that spare tire, so they call it, that look. That's where right. they'll um, – so it's the, same, it's the same issue. It's just different location. Right, and that actually goes beyond you know visceral fat. So visceral fat is actually – there's a lot of capillaries in, in – um, um, visceral fat. It's it's very insulin insensitive, whereas the subcutaneous body fat, where you see this this stubborn these stubborn areas, is actually very insulin um, uh, sensitive and has lower blood flow to it. So that's why another reason it gets it's so hard for a lot of people to lose it really when they start getting into lower body fat regions. Mm -hmm. uh, another topic that I want to bring up, and this is actually relatively new. Um, is, you know, we, we often think about how deadly visceral fat is, 
you know, there's all these uh, different issues associated with it, you know, metabolic syndrome and so forth. But there's also another type of tissue that lies. So if you look at the um, abdominal wall, just outside the abs, of course, you have the subcutaneous fat there. Uh, but there's this special layer that is between the superficial subcutaneous fat and right before the abdominal wall called deep uh, subcutaneous fat. And what we're finding now is it can be just as dangerous as visceral fat. Of course, the caveat is it's much harder to lose in visceral fat. And it's really that when you get to that threshold for being lean, like for a male around, you know, eight or 9% for a female, you know, arguably around 15 to, to 17% body fat, that that area starts to dissipate. But as far as health is concerned, it is, um, you know, just as bad as, as visceral fat. So I just wanted to bring up that, that different type of fat. I actually just read about that this week. So that's yeah, interesting. I'm wondering yeah, I haven't really, why that hasn't really been brought up before. And it's definitely not something that's shown in say a DEXA scan. Where, you know, in Dexas, they'll show you the where right. within well, the body take, it's. Mm -hmm. You could take it with an MRI, mm -hmm. um, and ultrasound is actually another way that you can do it with the ultrasound imaging because it it does go superficial to deep. Um, in fact, that's the way that I was actually using this earlier this week. That's why I mentioned it uh, with an ultrasound, and you know the uh, it was kind of a sales rep that was coming around at university showing us different techniques and so forth. And what they're actually finding out is ultrasound can be on par with DEXA as far as um, uh, its, its utilization in estimating body fat. So there's a lot of new tools coming out um, that are really helping us uh, discover more about fat. And, you know, people often forget that fat tissue is, is a, it's a, basically a, a gland. It's a hormone secreting gland. Uh, and it's a lot more dynamic than most people give it credit. And would somebody Absolutely. with with this this type of fat that we're just talking about, who, what type of person would be more at risk to have this, or more likely to have this? Someone who also has higher, higher levels of visceral fat. Yes. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Someone that usually males will experience this more. Someone that has more central adiposity in general. Um, and of course, the higher your body fat, the more you're going to have of it. Mm -hmm. The leaner you are, that's why I always, we always say get lean first, you know, and lose the body, just regular body fat, and then worry about your stubborn body fat. Because before you even get to that point, um, that's, you know, you still have to get rid of this deep subcutaneous layer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, just... Speaking about what we're talking about here a little bit with dieting and, and some of the things that can go wrong, you know, in my experience in the past, I've actually seen my upper body lean out and my lower body, not that it was just getting softer, it was actually getting bigger <laughs> fat cells. Like I, I was actually gaining fat. And I, I know that, you know, there's some liter literature to show that that can actually um, happen. And I think if you've worked with a lot of clients and you, and this is like going back a long time ago when I would kind of crash diet and then like get heavy into yeah, I would sports. I would definitely say that I see that more with when you're more aggressive with diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and it does, and I have seen something similar. It does happen. It absolutely does happen. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that myself where it's like my upper body almost looked 
like it was jacked and then my lower body it, it looked like two completely separate bodies really if you just like sliced me across my stomach and you wouldn't even ever been able to match up the top and bottom and I actually see that um a lot in the CrossFit uh clients that we get the females agree and I think that uh comes a lot from just training really really hard and um, well, not so, even cutting calories too quite a bit, but I find that some of them are just kind of on this almost like a low carb diet, kind of winging it without introducing carbs at appropriate times. And I think that just takes its toll. Um, Absolutely. so, um, something Alex that I don't know if you touched on right in the beginning, but just a little bit of your coaching experience and your own experience with stage and everything. And maybe you can tie in some stories about, you know, what we're talking about right now. Sure. Uh, well, here's a little story. I'm about, uh, two days out from my next competition. So right just, now, <laughs> right now, yeah. oh, perfect so timing. Competing Saturday. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> funny. So that's why I'm probably not so coherent right now. I'm actually depleting <laughs> this week. So, um, I'm looking forward to my, my car backloading tomorrow, <laughs> but, um, you know, I deal more with males. Um, I've dealt with a few female clients, um, that went on stage, but the number one thing, and I don't know if any of you have heard of. I was actually coached by her. Funny enough. Ah, yes. Yes. I'm sure we'll I have lots to talk that... about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll have some dialogue. But uh, I had a girl that, that did a show prep with her, and she came to me. Luckily, she came to me right before the show. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, right before the show happened. So she wanted to get in touch with somebody. Um, and this wasn't when I was associated with, with Body.io. But luckily, she got a, you know, a hold of me before she went out on a binge and so forth. But I saw the same thing that you were describing to me, AJ, the lean upper body and just a, a weird discrepancy between body fat and the lower body. And I looked at her diet. I looked at her training and it was, it was ludicrous. It was, you know, overtraining to the max, um, low, low carbohydrate, low fat. Even the protein wasn't overly high. It, it was just basically a, you know, a starvation diet. And I could clearly see that this was basically working against, you know, this girl, this poor girl. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I, what I generally see with clients is they push too hard, too quick. You know, I, mean, I guess it all comes down to patience and we're all a little bit impatient, but when it comes to stubborn body fat, you need to take a very methodical and cyclic, um, you know, direction with it. it, it, it there's going to be times where you have to cycle up and down with your carbohydrates and your, your calorie intake and even your activity intake. There's not, it's not like you can just, go in full bore and just keep attacking your body with more exercise, more exercise, and then keep producing calories. And it does, it's not, when it comes to stubborn body fat, it is not linear like that. And that's why I think carb backloading or, you know, carb night, whatever is most appropriate for the person uh, is so, is, it works so profoundly for people because it does take this cyclic um, direction. And it, it takes into account that, you know, our hormones are not, acting in a linear fashion or a straight fashion. Our bodies are so complex and so dynamic. You know, what we might do this week, it could be, you know, completely different from next week. And that's where I think a really good coach, you know, particularly when you are trying to get rid of stubborn body fat, 
really offers a great direction because <laughs> let's be honest, when someone is that lean, and I'm sure Alex and even you, AJ, I'm sure you could attest to this, you kind of get like a little neurotic. Oh yeah. Know? Yes. <laughs> and you always question, you always question yourself. Like, you know, it's always good to have, even, you know, for someone as seasoned as AJ or Alex, you know, it's always, I'm sure they, you guys bounce stuff off of each other and like, how am I looking? And like, what, sh what should I do here? I mean, we don't know it all, you know, particularly when it comes down to our own, <laughs> our own bodies, we need some reassurance and some guidance, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And also the support and the voice of reason in some cases. Yes. The voice of reason is, a <laughs> that's, <laughs> we start doing some crazy things when we leave ourselves our own devices, when you're getting really low body fat. And, uh, you know, I've been guilty of it myself. But really having a voice and a direction is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And I think the For direction sure. and I mean, is, is good to talk about as well, because like we've talked about at the beginning and in and, and multiple other podcasts is, is the goals and, and keeping in mind, you know, what it is we really want long term, immediate, and being very clear about what direction we need to go in to make that happen and that yes patience is going to be necessary and there is going to be some level of experimentation and cycling of training and diet to find what's going to be appropriate at the right time but obviously keeping in keeping in mind those you know short-term goals but but also the long term and I think something that I've noticed more recently in just the body IO community is people asking or, or commenting on making this a lifestyle and while we have clients who have immediate goals to, you know, lose fat here, tone here, it's they want to make it a lifestyle. They want to have it be something that's sustainable because they don't want to do the yo-yo dieting dieting anymore. Yeah, everyone is just so tired of it. And, we, you know, we've tried all these other systems. Uh, it, it, you know, they just say, you know, I'm done. That's yeah. why I, a lot of people say, I'm done. I'm done with it. I can't do this anymore. I've been doing it for years. I'm mentally beat. My body's physically beat. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, they just, ex and a lot of times those cases, they just accept, you know, and it's, it's much easier to work with those people or the, the neurotic ones, you know, or the people that are so hyper-focused on their short-term goals, goals. It's much harder to put things into focus because they haven't, they kind of been handed the system and they haven't really had to, you know, I guess, quote unquote, pay their dues <laughs> with yeah. other crappy diets and stuff. Um, but, you know, that really puts things into perspective and I've done it, you know, I, I've done the stupid diet, you know, the high, extremely high protein diets with minimal anything else. And, and you know, I'm done. Yeah. It's not worth it. I mean, when I did my whole body recomp with carb night and carb backloading and, you know, when I did that, I said to myself at any point, if, if my health suffers at all, I have to put on the brakes to everything and just like focus on my health has to be the number one thing that's in check all the time. Mm -hmm. And over years, I changed my composite, my body composition, you know, quite significantly several times and never once did my health suffer. Uh, I never, you know, there, there was a few times that I got like a little bit too low and I, I will be the first one to admit, I actually kind of let that sneak up on me. There was just a few weeks of like super, super crazy stress. And I just dropped a bunch of body fat and probably some, a little bit of muscle too that I wasn't anticipating. But other than that one little time, um, I, I just haven't had any negative side effects. My training's always been on point as far as like my performance. I haven't really suffered that much. And as soon as something starts to go a little bit wrong, 
like you were saying, Alex, it's just about switching things up a little bit. Maybe I need to card back a little bit more right now. And then maybe I'm going to go through a phase a couple months down the road where I'm not going to be training as much and I might use carb night. It's just, it's always fluctuating. And I've, you know, been able to maintain my body composition. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to get at was maintenance. It's like people kind of forget how awesome maintenance is. Mm-hmm. It's like they're either trying to get huge or they're trying to get super, super lean. And it's like, you can, you can feel and look amazing and just kind of be coasting in maintenance when you're kind of combining these protocols. And mm-hmm. you know what? You should be. Yeah. Uh, from time to time. You should never be. I, I call it the pendulum. You know, We're, we always have to be at one extreme. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we need to be centered. And this goes back to being healthy. You know, I was told, you know, a long time ago, um, you know, by my dad, you know, if, if you're not healthy, if you don't have your health, nothing else in your life really it matters. I mean, your health is the most important thing. If you're not healthy, uh, you know, you can't enjoy your family. You can't enjoy your goal. I mean, nothing, it really puts things into perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone constantly wants to blast, 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 you're losing fat or building muscle, but we don't bring the pendulum back to center sometimes and just refocus on everything what's ultimately important and that's our health i'm talking about mental physical i mean um you know it so many people just constantly have to be at extremes and it truly doesn't have to be like that uh, no it doesn't and i think that maintenance zone is so important because i can go back like through my whole like the last like four years of body comp changes i went back to maintenance so many times and it was just like nope I'm just focusing on stress management sleep and just maintaining what I got right now mm-hmm. and when I felt like on top of the world and everything like everything was going just great then you know what maybe I diet a little bit more and then I go back to maintenance and that's really how I chipped away at it and and that's part of the reason I was glad I, I didn't decide personally to do a show it's not something that interests me personally um, so that's why I didn't do it and that's a totally different topic for another episode but you know, I think there's there needs to be some distinction from people from the get go. I think a lot of people start leaning out and they're like, "Oh well, I'm just gonna see where this goes, and then if it goes well, I'm gonna do a show." And I think that that's just a really scary way to go into things. Yeah, yeah. Why you do it always comes down. It all comes down to why are you doing it in the first place, and what do you want out of it? If you just want to become lean, and that's your motivation, when you step on stage or step off stage, you're not gonna feel any better about yourself. Yep. You know. The satisfaction comes through the journey and you really have to realize, you know, at the end of the day, what is important to you. And for most people competing, I don't think, you know, for for a vast majority of people that I work with is is not necessarily what they're truly after. They might tell themselves that, but I don't, you know, I don't think that it's the case all all the time. Agreed. Sometimes people just see that as a goal, as like the way to, to make their goals happen is like oh well I'll just get on stage because that'll force you know me what? to Honestly, adhere to things and that's not <laughs> most of the time it ends up being the opposite and it, it will not make the process any easier in fact oftentimes it will add a lot of stress and make it more difficult agreed so because the show is about stubborn body fat and, <laughs> and I guess leaning out overall and, and you're two days away from a show Alex Moore do you want to tell us about that experience emotionally maybe or like anything that you want to share with the audience or you know you don't have to share things that you don't want to (laughs) sure sure um you know what i'm enjoying right now is hot epsom salt baths (laughs) (laughs) just because it feels good i don't know and 
I, I'm uh, I'm currently in the desert, so I don't know that makes it, if that makes any sense. And I don't have uh, air conditioning in my car, so for some reason I can tell that my body constantly wants warmth. Um, but uh, I mean, all joking aside, the biggest thing that I've learned with you know getting pretty low body fat and competing and, and so forth is generally, and this is kind of you know cliche or whatever, but less is more. I've learned that you know proper training, um, not overdoing anything. You don't have to go in and kill yourself every time. It's, you know, it really is a practice and, you know, simply staying consistent 90% of the time is going to give you way more results than going a hundred percent, you know, uh, over a short period of time, because I see so many people that just, and I think I've kind of touched on this before, just burn themselves out. And I've been in doing this long enough, you know, with powerlifting and, now bodybuilding to know that I don't want any part of that being burned out. You know, if it ever starts to affect my mental well-being, and that's my first indicator is my mental well-being. Um, you know, just my general mood and everything. I, I'm going to step away. It's not. It's not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Good point. So, what do you think your body fat is at right now? Uh, I don't. I don't. I can't, maybe like. Maybe five or six percent, but the water is constantly fluctuating right now. Yeah. So that's another thing that I wanted to touch base on with people with stubborn body fat. And I actually talked to a client about this recently. He gets frustrated because his image or his how he you know views himself or whatever in the mirror every day is constantly changing after say like a carb backload or ultra low carbohydrate day. And what people often forget is when you get really low body fat, you know how you distribute and hold water can really affect, you know, the way you look and almost to a point where it, it kind of plays mind games with people. Yes, it definitely um, does. <laughs> I mean, it can, I mean, one day I can look like a wet, you know, 9% body fat and then, you know, I'll manipulate my sodium a little bit. I'll manipulate my carbohydrate intake and two days later I'm dry and 5% body fat. So, you know, you have to put things in perspective and, you know, again, pull yourself back look at the long term um you know particularly when you get really low body fat like we always tell you people become head cases <laughs> and i'm pro- i fall into the camp a little bit you know i'll admit it <laughs> it's difficult because you're right like every day you kind of wake up and you see changes where you're like well why do i look like this today I, everything was bang on yesterday and it you know doesn't really add up and then two days later you look 10 times better than you thought you ever would Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, this kind of touches on that note. When you look at the, you know, muscle and fitness, or like I like to call muscle muscle and fiction, um, <laughs> you know, the magazines, and uh, you know what you're seeing on there. Not only is it photoshopped and highly edited, but there's people are not walking around like that, looking like that year round. Being that dehydrated and that low in body fat is not healthy. Um, so, you know, that's another thing I have to reinforce with some clients is they have, they have these goals and, you know, sometimes I'll get, I want to, they'll, they'll send me a picture. I want to look like this. And I said, well, you understand that that person has worked, you know, three months to look like that for three minutes. Yep. They're not walking around looking like that all the time. Uh, and you know, sometimes it just takes a good dose of reality for people. It's like, you know, uh, do you want to be walking around like this miserable all the time? Or, I mean, we have mm-hmm. to find some, like, again, AG, back to your point, we have to find some balance. Mm-hmm. 
I actually oh, yeah, and just... you really do feel miserable miserable when you're too lean. Like I have I have gotten too lean well, before and you do feel miserable and as soon as you put on a little bit of body fat, it's like a totally different world and it's like, okay, obviously leaner's not better. <laughs> right now I'm walking around my uh my condo on the hardwood floor and it literally hurts my the bottom of my feet. <laughs> yeah. I, I go and sit on uh, my bar stools and my butt hurts after five minutes. You know, because All your my, padding's ischial gone. Tubero- <laughs> my ischial tuberosities are trying to protrude through my uh, my uh, my butt muscles, basically. <laughs> so, you know, it may look kind of cool for a little bit, but, you know, sustaining this for any period of time, it does not feel good. No. And for women, just, you know, for the listeners out there who might think that, okay, well, maybe I am a little bit too lean right now, because I know I do hear from women like that uh, quite often. For me, it was when I lie down in the bed at night, I could feel like my shoulder blades. I was like, yeah, I'm just way too lean. So reverse dieted pretty quickly out of that. And within like a couple of weeks, like I just felt completely normal again. That was that time I just got super stressed out and just dropped a bunch of body fat, uh, not intentionally. But that was like a big indicator for me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, every time I lie on my back, it feels like nails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the scapular winging, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, my indicator is when I'm I'm in living in the hottest part of the country, and I somehow find myself wearing sweatpants and a hooded sweatshirt. So <laughs> I, something's, I had that something's not too. right here. <laughs> something's not right here, and I'm freezing in like a seventy-eight, you know, mm-hmm. uh, degree room. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like, "What's wrong with you?" you know? <laughs> No like, padding. shut up and give me your, give me your sweater. Yeah, there's no you're, padding. <laughs> you're one of those crazy Arizonans who, or, or Phoenicians, who I used to see walking around, like, fully clothed with 110 degrees outside. Crazy. Yeah, people. I got the, I, I'm sporting <laughs> the fedora and the scarf here. Nice. And the Ray-Bans, right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't wear that. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Alex Moore. Do you know anything about cellulite? Um... You know, I was reading some stuff about it recently. Uh, I don't feel comfortable enough to give an opinion yeah. either way. Yeah. Um, it, it's not really a topic that has interested me personally, and I think that's partly due to the people that I primi- primarily deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. If, yeah. No problem. I think, you know, I'm just going to interject just a little bit and say that, you know, a lot of the same people that are talking about stubborn body fat and fat accumulation, you know, around the hips and thighs are also have concerns about cellulite. And it, it just, you know, it really ties into what you're saying where, you know, you got to target whole body, like the whole body body fat issue first. Um, the low carb diet controlling insulin, that's super, super important. And then, you know, you said something about just blood flow. So areas where you have high alpha receptor density um, is restricted blood flow. A lot of these issues also tie into cellulite issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, by doing the diet, um, by doing things like foam rolling and, you know, keeping blood flow to that area, um, you know, as much as you can, those are all going to help too. I think we'll probably do a separate episode on that, but I just wanted to tie that in a little bit because it's kind of a similar question, usually comes from the same people. Um, but it is possible to uh, reduce and almost eliminate body fat. I will admit that, I'm uh, sorry, I'm um, cellulite. I used to have wicked cellulite. It has pretty much gone away, but there'll be those days where I just hold a lot of water or some hormonal fluctuations throughout the months where I can see a little bit of it Mm -hmm. here and there. 
Um, it's pretty subtle, but I'm surprised that after switching to a lower carb diet, how much that was the first time in my life that that ever changed. Mm. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I can't say this for sure, but mm -hmm. I know generally with a higher fat diet, when it's composed of the, you know, a better balance of, of fats that you actually affect the, the, uh, the membrane of your cells, you know, so I would assume that, you know, following a lower carbohydrate diet, not only you're reducing inflammation and so forth, but you're also kind of changing the structure of the cell membranes of the fat. Um, you know, so that might tie into it. Again, I'm just speculating. Right, right, for sure. Um, so, I mean, you do work with a lot of men, Alex, so we do have some male listeners. So is there anything that you want to talk about in terms of abdominal fat or anything else that you really want to touch on on any of these subjects before we have to wrap up? Yes. The, luckily, visceral fat is usually one of the first fats to go. So if you're holding a lot of, you know, that really deadly visceral fat and you're, you get on a low carbohydrate diet or, you know, obviously we, we advocate a carb night diet, um, just simply due to the level of blood flow, where it is in proximity to your internal organs. Uh, and of course, you know, it's a uh, level of insulin sensitivity, which is low. You can get rid of that fat pretty quickly. And, you know, I see a lot of guys and that's the area they want to target first, you know, for a lot of guys that I work with. Um, and it's kind of gratifying to see when we make these, these, um, these modifications to their diet, you know, whether, whether or not they're coming from, you know, a completely different setup or something similar, um, you know, it really goes a long way um, when they see actual tangible progress. But the biggest thing that I see mess up people's progress generally with, I mean, and if we're talking about, you know, strictly fat loss and I refer more to uh, carb night is how they're actually structuring their carb night. And more times than not, I see, unfortunately, people kind of turn it into a binge day. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself is simply track your macronutrients, you know, for a couple of weeks and see where you're landing. It is so revealing. Um, and oftentimes, you know, for a lot of people, it's eye-opening enough where they don't even <laughs> need a coach at that time. You know, maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll consider it when they get a little closer to their goals, but like, wow, I was consuming, uh, you know, 700 grams of sugar. Oh, that's kind of an issue, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's so true. And I, I'll be honest with you. Like when I put three people through the assessment process, if they have like never tried to track their macros at all on a carb night before I pass them on to a coach, I'm like, Hey, you know what? Why don't you just try to control your carbs a little bit and your calories overall and carb night for a few weeks and let me know how that goes. Um, because really there's just no awareness sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny to see some people and, you know, particularly when I'm out and about and I'm talking to people, people seem to like, particularly now, you know, the way I'm looking, they seem to ask me more questions about diet and it's the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> like I get, I got, I got pestered yesterday when I was at Sprouts, which is a, a market here. And this woman was asking me, you know, what she needs to eat for her diet. Like, I, I don't, well, how am I supposed to know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, so, I, you're, I'm, I'm getting checked out and I'm supposed to give you diet advice in like 30 seconds. I know nothing about you. <laughs> you know? But they, there's like, it's like expected or something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So sometimes, maybe I should just like give some crazy answers sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. But, you should uh, be a vegetarian. <laughs> 
Well, you know what? The area I was in, they would probably uh, agree with me on that. That's true. But, uh, sprouts. you know, <laughs> well, you know, if you've been to the Whole Foods up here where I live or, or uh, Trader Joe's, it's even worse. So, you know, they think it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you eat as long as it's vegetarian. You know, you can put your hummus all over your cinnamon toast. And organic. And, it has to be organic, too. Oh, yeah. Organic and uh, gluten-free and you're good to go. And juice, of course, juice all the time. Oh, a lot of and juice. And don't, yeah, remember, it doesn't matter how much sugar you're taking in. As long as it's natural, then you're good. <laughs> oh, man, it is so true. Well, Alex, we really enjoyed having you on the show. I know, you know, we just kind of brushed the surface of this topic, but I think we kind of covered the main questions that a lot of uh, our clients that aren't necessarily getting ready for stage, even, you know, they come to us because they were talking about stubborn body fat and targeting body fat areas um, for spot reductions. So um, I just want to say thanks because I think that that clears that up. And I think the main message is it's probably not worth worrying about at this point for most people. Um, and you guys can chime in whatever you'd like to say on that topic to, you know, what our major audience is if you want to send them off with a takeaway. Yeah, I think I'd say that, you know, you need to keep your goals into perspective. And as we already mentioned, you need to have an element of balance and you always have to keep in mind that you need to keep yourself healthy, whether it's, you know, your physical body or your mental health. When any of that starts to falter, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Alex Navarro, did you have anything to say? Agreed. Nope. Just uh, everything, would, I would have just repeated what he basically said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, See, so we all agree. We all Alex, agree. Alex yes. and, yeah, Alex and Alex think alike. There you yeah. go. Well, Alex squared. Sorry, guys. No, like, heated arguments and debates here on Her Body IO today because <laughs> we're all in agreement on this subject. <laughs> Um, but maybe we'll find something that we can all disagree on and we can have you back and we can debate it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'm sure we can find something. <laughs> I'm sure we can. Well, good luck with your show. Thank and you. And thanks for joining us on another episode of Her Body. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengle. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>